Oh, good morning. Such a blessing to be here with you all. Pastor, thank you so much for trusting me with your pulpit this morning. It's a privilege that I don't take lightly. And uh, it is a blessing to be with our church family, especially at this Thanksgiving time of the year, Christmas time of the year. It's always a blessing uh, to be here with you all. Uh, so Pastor asked me quite some time ago to, uh, if I would be able to come and share with you uh, this Sunday after Thanksgiving. And uh, it's always an encouragement to be asked and invited to be a part of that, but it's also a little bit intimidating and I'm never quite sure where to go because I don't know where pastor's been. And, uh, you know, when you're working your way through a series, it's kind of easy. You just take the next passage of scripture and then you walk through it. But where do you start? I mean, the Bible's a pretty big book, right? It's (laughs) just a couple things that we need to hear from there. And so I just kept coming back to this Thanksgiving thing, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. And um, I was praying and I was thinking about it. and, And then as I was thinking about Thanksgiving, a thought came to me which I immediately pushed away and tried to look for something else that I might be able to share with you this morning because, you know, it's something that I don't really, I don't don't recall if I've ever actually heard a message uh, from the pulpit of a church on this topic. If I have, it's, it's very, very rare. And so I thought about Thanksgiving. Well, you say you've heard a lot of messages about Thanksgiving, right? Emphasis on the giving thanks right but but the Lord kept bringing to my mind something else thanks giving thankful giving and so I kept looking for something else that I might be able to bring to you this morning because you know we're used to hearing those kind of messages maybe with the Television preachers who fly those big jets and live in those mansions and tell you what God's going to do for you if you'll just send this much money to their ministry and all of those kind of things. And so we get a little bit skeptical when we hear those kind of things. And of course, I understand that I am a missionary and uh, our ministry and, uh, and our family are supported by many individuals in this church and the church itself. And so in some ways, maybe could this seem like it's a manipulation or could this be... Uh, and 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 that thought stuck with me for just a moment, and I thought it would only seem that way if we don't really have a good understanding of what giving's about, right? About thankful giving. In fact, uh, the verse that comes to mind most often in my my thinking about giving is 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and we're not going to be in that passage, but it kind of sets the course for what we want to talk about, and it says this, uh, in fact, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. And maybe that's why it's so challenging sometimes to bring this message because God's very clear that it's not about what I'm going to tell you. It's not about a certain amount. You know, we talk about a tithe and is the tithe still for today or is it for not? And what was the tithe back then? And what should it be now? And, and ultimately it says, God says, give as you've decided in your heart. But then he goes on to say this, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Again, so if you hear anything in this message that says obligation, guilt, you need to do better, that's not what this is about. It's about this. It says, for God loves a what? Cheerful. A cheerful giver. And it's interesting, in the, in the, the, one of the Greek words for cheerful uh, is 
hilaros, from which we get our word, anybody? Hilarious. Hilarious. Now, I've been here for a lot of offering takings. I haven't really heard any big belly laughs or anything (laughs) going down the aisle. Uh, Exceedingly amusing or uh, exuberantly merry are some of the definitions of hilarious. But then I thought about my last visit with our church family, and that was in September, right? We had an auction that we do. Lord willing, every two years, I had to wait an extra year this last year, but, uh, but I have to say, that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's a good time, right? We, we have fun. I mean, uh, I love noodles and fudge and rag rugs and carrot cakes as much as the next person. But we live in the middle of Amish country. I can get those things a lot more reasonably than they went in that auction, right? In fact, I'm the guy who's going to drive across town because I'm going to save five cents on a tank uh, or a gallon of gasoline, but for some reason I don't mind paying $60 for a pound of fudge. I don't know why. <laughs> yes, I do, because we know why we're doing that, right? And so as we think about giving this morning and as we touch this subject, which many consider very personal and maybe a little bit hard to hear about from the Word of God, because it's so personal and because it is a personal decision that we make, um, I just want to encourage us to think about that, that fun that we had in September, giving, and thinking about that in every opportunity that God gives us, whether it's the offering box in the back, the coat box and the glove box and the hat box that's sitting right there in the narthex, it's that jar for the heifer project, whatever the case may be. Sometimes you hear, give till it hurts. No, give till it's fun, right? Exuberant joy. And so, of course, the place that the Lord led me, I believe, to speak from this morning is is a letter that the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary that probably we've ever known, uh, wrote this thank you letter, this update letter to the church at Philippi, right? The book of Philippians In chapter 4, he really lays out for us what this thing of giving is really all about. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we start this. Father, thank you again for this opportunity that we have to be together this morning. And for those who are able to join us uh, through uh, the internet and viewing this online. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to each of our hearts. Because as you've said, you love a cheerful giver. But you also have told us as each one has decided in their heart. And so, Lord, not for guilt or conviction or challenge, but just to understand your heart this morning, speak to each of us what you would have us to learn and encourage our hearts with the way that you've worked through us in the past as well and being a part of something bigger than we are. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Philippians chapter 4, Uh, Starting in verse 10, we see this section where Paul talks about being the recipient of the blessing of this church and these believers, this church family in Philippi. And he starts with this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were, were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And so we see here, 
if we take a step back, we think, okay, the Philippian church, right? What's Paul's connection with the church at Philippi, right? So he met this lady at the stream, the seller of purple, Lydia, right? And uh, wins her to Christ and her whole family. And then ultimately, he gets beaten and imprisoned, thrown in jail. The earthquake happens, right? And uh, the Philippian jailer is about to kill himself when Paul stops him because he thought all his prisoners had fled. They hadn't. And Paul's testimony was powerful in that moment and with those people. And their lives had been changed. I mean, you think about this Philippian jailer who not only his spiritual life, but his physical life. He was getting ready to cause his family, to kids to be uh, without a father, wife without a husband, and a community without a leader. And Paul stepped in. God stepped in to their lives, the Apostle Paul. And he had a substantial ministry in the lives of these people. And so when we look at this, he says, uh, now at great length, you've revived your concern for me. You've had an opportunity now to give. We see the, the heart and the motivation in giving. Thankful giving is about, it starts in the heart. Now, I say in the heart because we're Americans and we're in the 21st century. But uh, back then, they might have said, it begins in the bowels. <laughs> Doesn't sound quite as good, does it? <laughs> But, but you know, in the King James, they use in place of affection many times the word bowels. Why is that? Because where do you really feel things strongly? Like in your gut, right? Your gut. I, know, I know we're in a Hallmark season now, and it's all about the heart, right? And all these love stories. But, but no, we really feel things deeply in our gut, and that's what these people did. Paul was somebody that they loved, somebody that they cared about, somebody who had impacted their life. And so they're giving to him had everything to do with who he was, somebody that they trusted, somebody that had an impact in their life, and what he was doing, right? So if Paul was going to have that kind of influence and impact in their lives, he was going to have that same kind of impact in other people's lives as well, and they wanted to be a part of that. So we're going to clean that up and say that <laughs> thankful giving starts where? In the heart, right? It's a gut thing. It's a gut thing. So it's not just about the routine, the habit, the command, those kind of things. It's about a desire to be a part of what God is doing outside of ourselves. They were blessed by his ministry and they wanted to bless others. And then we see also what thankful giving is not. It's not about the need. Because Paul says, in verses 11 to 13, it's not, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We hear that verse out of context a lot, don't we? But it's talking about this very thing, being content and having what we need in Christ. Now, we understand the book of Philippians is being written from prison. Paul is in jail right now. And so he's saying, you know, not that I'm writing to you about need, 
even though perhaps he did have a need. It wasn't like our jails today where they're provided with everything that they need. It, it, was, it was responsibility of friends and family to take care of the people who were in prison if they were going to be taken care of well. And so in some senses, there, there was a need. But I think it's also interesting to note that the gifts that Paul mentions about the Philippian believers in Scripture, uh, he mentions three specific times that these Macedonian believers from Philippi, actually four, that they were involved in his life and in his ministry. And one of them, or another one that was going to happen in the future, or two in Corinth, in Thessalonica, or Thessalonica. The thing that I think is very interesting about that is that in both of those places, Paul actually also served as a tent maker. Paul wasn't just dependent on people. Why? Because in Corinth, he was being with the people who were spiritually immature. And they were looking for any opportunity to discredit his ministry and elevate some of the other teachers that they liked to hear from better, right? Even though Paul was the apostle that God sent to that people. And so Paul worked as a tent maker in that place to not give them any cause to criticize. And then we think about the Thessalonian church, right? What is one of the things that we see in the, book, in the books of Thessalonians? We see that the Thessalonian believers were waiting for God's return, and so a lot of them stopped working, right? And that's where Paul said, if you don't work, you don't eat, you don't eat, right? So Paul had to set the example in Thessalonica by making tents so that he could be that example to those who had said, I'm just waiting for the Lord to return. I'm not going to need all this extra money. I don't need a retirement. God's coming any day now. I'm just going to wait, right? So again, we see that it's not the need, specifically, that is the motivation for thankful giving. We've all had experiences where that might be true. People that approach us on the street, people that knock on our car window at the stoplight, whatever the case may be. That's a need-based appeal, and that's okay, and we can have compassion, we can feel that in our gut. And I travel all over the world and I see that kind of need and it does move you to act. But it doesn't necessarily inspire you to give. You're not looking for that person's address to continue sending that gift, right? Because it doesn't feel like you're really a part necessarily of what God is doing in that particular situation. So if it's not about need, what is it then? You see in verses 14 to 16. Paul says this, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you. You only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So we see it is about that word there, partnership, right? Giving is about partnership, being a part of what God is doing here and around the world 
through our finances. Ministry and missions is about partnership, and everybody has a part. Sometimes we're the one who shares, and sometimes we're the one who prays, and sometimes we're the one who encourages, and sometimes we are the one who gives to make it all possible. Romans 10, verses 14 to 15 tell us this. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? Right? Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to share. Whether it's across the street or around the world, somebody has to preach, to share. But then how are they going to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Some people go and some people send. Some people are part of the process. And again in Corinthians, Paul says, some plant and some water. And God gives the increase. Amen? And we're all a part of that. And we can be a part of that. Dr. Pastor and author John Piper has concluded from his study of the word that we have three choices. We can choose to be a joyful and sacrificial goer. We can be a joyful and sacrificial sender. Or we can be disobedient. <laughs> What's your choice? In other words, we all have a part to play. Amen? And it helps if we understand this next thing. Thanks, thankful giving understands the blessing, the blessing of the partnership. You see it in verses 17 and 18. Not that I seek the gift. Again, Paul's in prison. He probably needs the gift, but he's saying, it's not the gift that I'm looking for. What is he looking for? I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So giving is not about the gift itself. It's not about the actual amount of money. It's about participation. It's about that partnership. And it's about the blessing that God wants you to receive as you're a part of that. Now, as Cindy did a great job of illustrating today, we all have different gifts and talents and abilities. Amen? Amen. And God has put us all together to use those abilities and talents. Not everybody in here works well with children. Right? I mean, others do. But you know, when as a church you're supporting your vacation Bible school and your mother's group and your community outreach towards kids and your hats and gloves and scarves for the kids out there and the outreach opportunities that that creates, you may not love kids' ministry, but I tell you what, that fruit is credited to your account. Now, I have no idea how God does that, right? 
like how God keeps the scorecard, and how God is going to be able to, on that day of judgment, give us crowns based on what we've accomplished, not only by the things that we've done, not only for the things we've prayed for, but the things we've given to, and the things that we've been involved in. You may not relate to teen culture. Maybe your days of all-nighters have passed you by. Maybe their style of dress and music and other things are not your cup of tea. And maybe you just don't relate on that level anymore. But when you support a ministry to young people, that fruit is credited to your account. You may be the world's biggest introvert. And you know who you are. And the idea of going to visitation in somebody's home or in a nursing home or in a prison or at a rescue mission is so completely outside of your comfort zone, you don't even know how you would get there from here. But your support of that kind of ministry means that fruit is credited to your account. You may be anxious about getting on an airplane or traveling in these days of pandemic crisis. You may not desire, you may desire to avoid traveling to a place where you're not going to like the food or you're not going to understand the language or the culture, where you're not going to have hot water, perhaps not even running water, where you might pick up Lice or bugs in your intestines. And again, that's just so outside of where God has wired you that you could never be a part of that ministry if it required you hopping on that airplane or going across the country or going to that Indian reservation, right? But God has made a way. You can pray, you can encourage. You can give. And that fruit is credited to your account. Isn't that an amazing thought? I mean, that was a great place for an amen, but did you guys totally <laughs> 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 Isn't that awesome? Amen. I mean, think about this. I mean, the globe keeps spinning, right? And at this very moment, 11.20 a.m., over in the Philippines, it's 11.20 p.m., those folks go to bed early, right? But guess what? At 11 o'clock tonight, when you're sound asleep or at least heading that direction, they're awake and they're going. And our biggest camping ministry in the world, at least pre-COVID, is in that place. We see lives of young people turned around on a regular basis. And it's really exciting to think about the fact that I'm turning over in bed at the very moment when God might be crediting some things in my account because of my investment in that ministry. Isn't that awesome? Amen. <laughs> I'm not sure you're really excited about that yet, but I hope that you will be. That's how we can be hilarious givers, right? Because that's a crown. That's something that God keeps track of. And that's why Paul said, I'm not seeking the gift. I'm seeking the fruit that abounds to your account.
So finally, this thankful giving is an act of faith and trust. Amen? We see in verses 19 and 20, it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Folks, I know we are living in some fearful times. If we're listening to the news and to the people around us, we've all experienced great loss in these last couple of years. Friends and family members who we believe from an earthly perspective have gone to be with the Lord too soon. Some of us have experienced personally and almost all of us have experienced in some way the loss of employment, a position, a job that we thought was solid and secure, and in some cases, maybe unfortunately, our hope for our financial future. We're seeing inflation that's decreasing the value of every dollar that's sitting in our wallets at this moment, and we're seeing shortages and have concerns about what that's going to look like in the future. So in the midst of all this, how do we continue to be cheerful and joyful and sacrificial, thankful, hilarious givers? We go to this promise. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Almost a year ago, one of our co-founders of our ministry, almost 95 years old, Dr. Harry Ballback, went to be with the Lord faithful servant of God. He was a Marine in World War II in the Asian theater. And uh, he was a Marine to the end, I tell you. He, his wife suffered from some dementia and some issues, and she was his final mission. He was by her side for the last few years, just taking care of every need, and they had some other health things going on. But it was amazing, because Millie went home to be with the Lord last and Harry went into the hospital. And the doctor said, no problem, he'll be out tomorrow. And uh, I think he's well on his way to recovery. And then he went home to be with the Lord that very day. Why? <laughs> because his mission was finished. His very last mission. But Harry Baldack said something almost every time that I talked to him that was always such an encouragement to me. And it had a little bit of his personality in it as well. And he says this, Ryan, God has never failed anyone. And my friend, you are not important enough for him to make us feel. <laughs> my friends, God has never failed anyone. You really are not important enough for him to change your story. We need to be faithful. Thankful givers. Knowing that God will supply our every need. Not maybe all our wants and all our desires and all our hopes. But all our needs. And you know what? Sometimes he uses his body, the church, to be a part of that. Because he needs to teach us something as well. 
and that grows us closer together and more of who he wants us to be as his body. So we can walk by faith in wisdom, cheerfully and thankfully giving as he leads. Not from obligation, not from guilt, but from the vision that he has given us to be a part of something so much bigger than we are. Something so much outside of the comfort zone that he's geared us for, right? Thanks, giving. That's what we need to do, Val. May God continue to richly bless each and every one of us as we faithfully and hilariously (laughs) devote ourselves to giving all that he has entrusted us with because ultimately it all belongs to him anyway. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, the truth of your word, and the power of your word, and the promises from your word, and the privilege that we have to be involved in things so much bigger than we are, and that you're a God who looks at those things and understands those things and and blesses us in spite of the fact that you're the one that is doing it in and through us anyway. So thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Help us to continue to be faithful in this area as well. Well, thank you in Jesus' name.